Welcome to Summer Bays, the unofficial home and away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavner, where I take a weekly look at the trials and those big old tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters are remarkably good at finding themselves in, like, is asking your baby mama to move in with you really the most well thought out plan? Or are you cheating on your current girlfriend if you're spending way more time with your ex-girlfriend? Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. And just before we jump in, this is a no-spoiler, anti-spoiler podcast. I don't look ahead. I don't watch the episode descriptions. I don't read the episode descriptions. None of that. Just watch the show as it was intended to be shown. The dramatic twists will unfold themselves, reveal themselves to you. And by avoiding any of those spoilers, the drama is just felt so much more. I'm telling you, do with any TV show, not just Home and Away. It's amazing. Just try for a week and see. Tempting. Yes, it is. Worth it. Even more so. (laughs) So I want to start this week with Lewis. Before we get into it... Firstly, I just want to say I'm adoring Tori and Jasmine's like team player game planning, how they're going to approach this, what they're going to do. They're kind of subtly puppeteering their men in battle and trying to manage it so it happens in a nice and healthy way. And I'm just, I'm loving it. They're very serious. They're doing all the right things, making all the right calls. I'm loving it. I just love the level of seriousness that is going on within their chats. Just really do adore that. Second thing is, Lewis looks like he's just walked off some kind of Shakespearean stage. Those curls, that little schmig, he looks like... He, he doesn't look like a Romeo. He looks more like a Marcuccio or a Benvolio from Romeo. Like... <laughs> Definitely a Montague. Like he's small enough that he'd look great in a pair of tights. I just can't. I just maybe I just think it's the curls and the length of the curls. Very romantic. Either that or with his like style aesthetic. I also think he looks like an Australian member of Green Day or some kind of like punk rock cool dude kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah, I just... I find it a little bit hard to take him seriously when I think of those things, which is hard when which is hard when his storyline has been very serious this week. But I am also glad that a lot of the serious chats happen when he's in uniform and not in his day clothes. But anyway, I think the blow up that happened on the hospital floor was waiting to happen. Tensions are bubbling all week and... So even though Jasmine encouraged Lewis to tell Christian what had actually happened, even though Christian doesn't remember, I suppose there was only one way it was going to come out with this explosion in front of the whole hospital. And I just cannot believe Christian doesn't remember. Ooh, it's kind of bad. Um, and it, it just it really doesn't pay, paint him in a good light. And, and then with the revelation that... Anna was pregnant, so you can understand. Then it kind of gives more weight to how intense Lewis is about Christian and why he hates him so much. Like, his whole life was ripped away. And it does explain his reaction a bit more. 
But what's the, what this has done now is really planted a seed of doubt in Christian in his trusting in himself and has really gotten to him and gotten under his skin. And so it was great that they had that heart to heart insult and, and Christian apologizes for not remembering. But I just think Lewis is still so hurt and he needs somebody to blame. And now that's kind of, now that they've had it, it out, he doesn't really have anywhere to channel all this anger. So I thought the kiss with Jasmine, while totally welcomed and, you know, they have a lot, a lot, a lot in common. They all, they. what the thing about them is like, she lost Robbo just after they got married, basically. And he lost Anna and the baby. So right when they were on the cusp of, right when they just entered into their marriages or right when they were on the cusp of, you know, a new direction for their life to take like he was about to be a dad and their future got taken away from them so they do have like a lot in common but I just thought the timing of the kiss was strange because he's just had his heart to heart with with Christian and then he's on this come down of relief and misplacement of or he doesn't know what to do with all this anger and hate and kind of this blame game. Then they have a kiss. I just thought that was a weird time to do it. If I was Jasmine, I'd be like, oh, maybe we should kiss like on a date. Like he's still talking about his ex-wife. I don't know. I just thought that didn't sit well. And it seems to be happening a bit faster for Jasmine than expected. But, you know, they both now feel like they have a future together. So, so yeah, I suppose you just kind of have to to roll with it and... Jasmine seems really centred and really happy. So I suppose it's time to jump, girl. And uh, and speaking of being in love, um, Justin and Leah, wow, are they falling more and more in love as each day, moment, second passes? They, like, <laughs> Leah is constantly leaving work to go get the ride. Justin is like, I must have you now. We must go. Uh, back in an hour, Irene. It's just so funny. I'd love to... <laughs> everyone would love to be able to leave their job to go and do that. It's just so funny. But they seem to be really happy about their future. All this daydreaming about buying the house is all very exciting. Finally tells Tori. And after that little period of being a bit shady. But it is strange because while Tori and Justin are, what, in their 30s, they've always lived together. Because the parents died when they were so young, their witness protection, and then now that they're the years in Summer Bay. So it's kind of, it is actually very much an end of an era. So you can understand why Justin was nervous about telling her. But, you know, they're both in big, serious relationships now. So it's time to cut the ties, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm just glad that it's all done and dusted. I really thought Tori was going to find out through. Cause so many other people knew. I thought Tori was going to find out through somebody else. So I'm glad that didn't happen for once. Well, never in my home and away days have I seen Alf Stewart so downtrodden. I can't believe he lost the Surf Club presidency. Well, I actually can believe. I just had such a feeling. I just knew all along John was going to win. And especially with Susie in her big clothes. Everything is so oversized. It's so strange. It's just ill-fitting. But ever since she arrived and started planting those seeds of presidency and blah blah blah. I knew John was going to win I just knew it and John is just he seems now that he's settling into his relationship with Susie like he seems very smug 
but he's also so smitten with her and he's very defensive. When Rue tries to kind of say her piece and then when Marilyn does, he's always he's always siding with Susie or being defensive over her and he's just swept away in this whirlwind. He's finally gotten what he wanted and so he can't really see the wood from the trees and he's just been whisked away by Susie. And meanwhile, she's pulling these incredible faces Oh, so fed up, so fake. It's incredible. So I just really want to know what she's up to. Like, why Why do you care about John Palmer? Like, what, what is she in this for? If she doesn't like him, why is she swooping in to make him president? Like, is it just some random, like, vendetta against Alf Stewart to get him off the top? The undercurrent of all this is just Alf and... You gotta love Rue turning up to that swanky dinner at Salt and saying her piece and then kind of being able to report back to Alf and what's going on. Because John did have some low blows about Alf saying that he was like too busy and the whole two businesses and his life is in Marimula. Low blow and not fair and... I just feel like that's like a Susie sucker punch there and and must be hard for Rue then to like go back to her dad and being like say that like oh he's kind of going for your jugular and even though Alf is in a good bit of denial but oh my god when Alf refused the handshake oh I just feel like like I don't know if it's maybe it's like a a man on man thing or an Aussie man thing or like Aussie shame I don't know around not shaking the hand like that's a formality you do not dismiss or walk away from. So I th- I think that really sat with John. I think that was like a little poke to John to be like, things aren't okay. Like all of your close friends are saying, are kind of whispering to you that, you know, watch out. Because John, look, he is a Labrador. You know, he just wants to be fed, watered, preferably on the cheap. And um, just wants to live like a ha- easy, happy, simple life and... Uh, and yeah, I and I think he thinks he's gotten this with Susie, but she's up to something. But we don't know what it is. But I am glad that I was really much like Rue. I was very proud that Alf went up and shook hands. I found that scene kind of cringe because they're all cheering for John in this big circle and then Alf walks in and everybody goes silent. That felt very much like a play to me or very much like a stage show. That was a bit cringe or something, but yeah, I think I just can't believe Alf has been knocked off his pedestal. It was like a political war I did not know I didn't want at all. Like, all is not right in the world. It'll be interesting to see because Alf has always, the last few times, he's always been like, Why aren't you doing your job? You're not doing anything. You're spending all your time with Susie. Like, you're not doing your club duties. So it'll be interesting to see if John actually steps up to the plate or if he actually does stuff and then what does that mean for Alf is he booted off the committee or does then is the tables turned that Alf now has a new job in the committee and then is John Alf's boss I don't know I don't know I didn't know I cared as much about committees but yeah it's just not nice to see Alf down in the dumps at like sitting out in the rain and you know pretending he doesn't care but he really does and uh, and John doesn't seem to care at all or he's not allowed to care but anytime any of like Marilyn Rue or Alf try to speak some truth to him it's Susie just like sweeps him away and doesn't let him and then feeds him some gaslighting lie so um she's doing a very good job there because nobody can get through to John and to quote Alf there's nothing worse than a smug farmer but before we go anywhere I just think it was strange that Martha wasn't included in any of the surf club 
scenes or, you know, she's not really, I know, look, she's not in the best mental health space, but she doesn't really comfort Alf in his loss or I know Rue kind of was part of that storyline and they need to keep them separate, but there's no, there's no comfort. She's just acting really fidgety and feeling like she's okay she feels like she's suffocated and being watched and but she's saying stuff like Alf like I don't want to be your distraction (laughs) it's like well he just wants to go for a walk with you or enjoy this Stuart special of of a morning tea and doesn't need you to be on your phone all the time but I just just thought there was no like scene of them of even her hugging him going sorry you lost she just wasn't really part of any of that and I just think as the wife I don't know I just thought that was a bit strange but in all these endless messages she's sending to Kieran, is the real Kieran wondering why? Or he must be like, it's because it's also one-sided. He must be like, whoa, mom is really thinking we're in touch. I just feel like we're not done with Kieran yet. I, I hope that storyline doesn't just end up with that being the it for Kieran. I want Kieran to be more evil. I want to see, I just love a good evil character. Um, so I just... I hope that's, it's kind of weird that they have the Kieran and Susie thing running at the same time, but I hope this isn't just Kieran fizzling out in Martha's hallucinations. Come on, Kieran, respond to those messages. So then in the Parada household, we've got a conniving little Chloe fooling Ari into a catch-up date with the two of them. But no, 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 she had bigger things, inviting her mum over. So I just think that when Ari's saying, so when Mia's resisting sitting down for this romantic dinner and Ari's like, well, we're not doing anything wrong. It's just a dinner. It's candlelight. There's wine. You are emotionally cheating on your girlfriend. And I understand Ari's confused with with how he feels. And he's asked for space from Mac. And I suppose he has to get his head around things. But it's very much cheating. It's like. I feel really sorry for Mac. And look, how can you compete with uh, with all that history that they've shared? And they've clearly been through a lot. And with the like raising Chloe as well, like it is it, in a way, it's not really a competition. But I just think Mia is so expressionless. She always talks like she's on the brink of tears, but it's so one note. Like there's just this whole kind of like shuddery, pouty face. And it's just, I I just don't know, I'm not really buying what she's selling. While they obviously have this like pull towards each other and how can Matt compete with that? But I just, I'm not really, like, I don't know if, I don't know if it's an acting thing. I don't know if it's a Botox thing. I just don't know. Anyway, you've Mac in the wake of all of this gushing to Ryder who gave her the worst advice. <laughs> like, I think you're, and because when she's all like, how can I compete? Uh, he's like, you're overthinking it. Don't worry about it. No, that's not overthinking it. That is thinking fine. The, 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 the worst thing you thought was to talk to Ryder about it because he <laughs> he's too young. No life experience. Mac, you should talk to people your own age. Um, sidebar to that. How annoying was the whole Ryder Chloe fighting thing in Bella's house? It's just so relentless. And they're kind of all those cheeky glances. I'm just so not. It's just it's like a headache. You're like, oh, get away. Um, but anyway, Mac is so right. She should say in saying that she's like, oh, I should be somebody's number one. I should be their first choice. It shouldn't be. He's like drifted now. And I know it all happened so fast. But when they break up, I just wish Mac did it. I wish Mac was like, no, like, and took a bit of the control uh, rather than Ari doing it. But anyway, 
so yeah I just feel sorry for Mac because like you just can't compete I don't think I think that their love is too big and like they've only been together a few months and yeah and like and when you hear stuff like me has never moved on in like the 10 years that you guys have been apart and yeah I just don't think you can can compete so poor old Mac that all happened so fast oh But on the other, on the polar opposite to his sister Mac is Dean. I have never seen him so happy. He is beaming ear to ear. I've never seen him smile so much. He's really, and it seems like real genuine happiness. It's crazy. It's almost like a smile looks weird on his face or something. I don't know. So you can understand. So his life's gone from kind of zero to a hundred. So in a way, I can kind of understand the move-in invite to Amber, who seems to be swooning like a little bit. So you can understand where her mind goes. We're like, well, does he want to hook up? Am I moving into your bed? What is going on? But it's, I suppose it's just textbook Dean. Act now, think later. But I'm so happy Willow is around for this. She neutralizes everything. You know, she's able to talk to both of them and being like, just you need to think this through, take your time on this decision. And then she can give Dean a slap around the back of the head because it's just, I just think she brings a good sense of reality to this. So I'm just so glad the voice of reason is here. And so when they clear things up, and it was actually put things into perspective when Amber said, we've heard each other enough. You know, let's not, while we move in, like, we'll, you know, keep things separate. So, but I just wonder, because Amber lives such a wild lifestyle, is she really going to be, like, bringing one night stands home to the house? Like, she shares a room with her six-year-old boy, like, logistically, I don't know how that's actually going to work. But I just thought Tani and Ziggy's reaction to all of this was very, very interesting. So we all know Ziggy loves a good storm wolf. She loves to get really mad at things. And by seeing Amber, she's threatened because Amber and Tani have history. So it's kind of twofold her her reaction to Amber being back. Because the second one is Tsunami Amber. Like, what if she takes Joy away again? Which is a very valid point. And maybe that's part of the reason why Dean asked Amber to move in. Because he would know where she is at all times. Because he probably still has PTSD from her last exit. Um, and I think it's right that Amber needs to be called on her BS. And I suppose it shows that Ziggy still cares about Dean. But I suppose in Ziggy's reaction, it shows that she still cares about Dean, but she has to care about him from afar. Oh, yeah. And and then when Tane goes to Amber for the chat, I thought that was very unnecessary, but also quite necessary. But Amber... <laughs> must be like I've come back to the bay and I'm getting in the neck from absolutely everyone and I think is so is Tani now this like mouthpiece for Ziggy it was quite an interesting back and forth because he's saying stuff like don't hurt Dean he can't he couldn't take it if you took Jai away again he didn't know the state he was in and then she's like well don't PDA in front of him with his ex-girlfriend and this seems like a happy wife happy life thing and I just thought Tani deflected so well but it definitely pushed Ziggy and Tani into a more serious realm. Yeah, so wow, who knew the jobless Tane, ex-bad boy, could be such a good boyfriend? Strange. Who knew? Maybe pigs can fly. I don't know. So who knew that could happen? And then another person in the wake of all this, act first, think later, Dean 0 to 100, is Bella. He didn't even think about her. Of course she was going to have a bad reaction. Didn't ask, didn't go 
hey, I'm thinking about this, was just like, this is happening. So obviously she's going to have a bad reaction. She doesn't want to let go of Colby's room slash shrine. And it's hard for her to let go of him as it is, let alone moving in two people. I'm one of those people as a child. So where does Bella fit into any of this? I know Dean is looking after her, but it's a lot to... It's a lot to digest. It's a lot to cope. And also, like, how are Dean and Amber going to live together? And not... They say they don't have feelings, but it's very strange. Like, if any of them met anybody else, they'd be like, yeah, I live with my ex-girlfriend slash baby mama and my kid. I just don't understand how this living together situation is going to work. It's wild. And I don't know if it makes perfect sense, but are they really going to be playing happy families for long? So I don't know how this is going to go. Rightio, that about wraps it up for me this week. A big thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, I would love if you could rate, review and or subscribe to this party. But no pressure. If you want to get in touch, you can get me on Summer Bay's Instagram at Summer Bay's Podcast. G'day and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.